Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. Thanks so much for joining us for My Sporting Mind podcast, which is all about opening up conversations about mental health, both in life and sport. Season two is proudly supported by sportinglife.com, ahead of the rest with 160 years of sporting knowledge and integrity. I'm very, very pleased because I'm quite a big fan to welcome a man who has headlined in Belfast, Brooklyn and Las Vegas, the incredible former two-weight world champion who is aiming to make it three against super featherweight American Jamel Herring on the 3rd of April in Dubai. It's Carl Frampton. Welcome to the podcast, Carl. Sorry, Carl, it's only me that's um, applauding. How are you anyway? You must be, <laughs> I was you must good. be I was desperate to get back in the I ring, like right? Yeah, no, I'm just, it's been, I was kind of one of the lucky ones who got the fight last year. Um, there was a, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of fighters who worked. Yeah, I fought once last year in August. Busting to get going again, but there was guys who have been out of the ring for well over a year now. So uh, I'm an, I am I count my blessings every day, really. How do you deal with the inactivity side of things in boxing in general, actually? You, I, I always take over, really. So, you know, you want, as a boxer, you do want to be fighting. And, and this is my, my job as a boxer. So if I'm not fighting, I'm not getting paid. So you're always looking for the next fight. But I think me being... I feel like, I suppose as I've got older as well, I became a lot more professional in my approach and I don't really balloon up too much in between fights anymore. I always try to maintain a, a certain amount of weight just over my fighting weight. And I don't, I don't know, I live the life a lot more than I used to. Like I'm, I'm teetotal now and I've almost been off the booze for about three years. And that's something that I wasn't to previous. Like I was always fond of a, an eel after fights and stuff, but these are just different approaches that I've been doing. Um, and I think that's allowed me to, you know, the time off, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much. Some people talk about inactivity, but I, I'm okay. Cause I'm, I'm always taking over. On the alcohol side of things, have you noticed the difference? I mean, I haven't drank for four years, but for a different reason since, um, you remember when I was ill in Rio, I haven't been able to yeah. and, and won't ever again. Has it made a difference to you? Um, yeah, well, it's made a difference to my weight massively. I can't deal with hangovers and I'm an idiot when I'm on the drink. So that's the reasons why I went off it. Not that it's like people have to babysit me when I'm, when I'm on the beer. I'm not aggressive or anything. I'm just stupid and I'm a danger to myself. So um, I went off it for that reason. And I've noticed that my weight doesn't balloon up as much. Um, I suppose that's probably down to me training a little bit more and keeping a bit more active in between fights, but also just staying, just staying off the beer. It's just It's just dead, empty calories, isn't it? It is. I think it's a, a really good way to go, actually. Um, I saw you not that long ago. Um, we were watching, well, you were working on the Joyce and Bois fight. And mm. it was the first time I'd watched boxing or been in a boxing arena with no fans. And it was so weird because I remember at some points actually shouting for Joyce. And I could yeah. hear my own voice because I was the only person apart from, um, I think, Dubois' mom shouting. How is it as a boxer having no fans? Because it's the electric atmosphere, I think, which must mean so much. Do you notice it or not? Because yeah, you could hear was, a pin my, drop my when we watched that fight. It was bad. My, my last fight was in your call, empty your call against Darren Trainer. Um, and it was just dead. I didn't like it. It was hard for me to get out of second gear. Um, the Joyce and Dubois fight, what was different there? was I think they had maybe four or five of each family member yeah. on kind of the opposite sides of, of the arena. And they were making a bit of noise and it was it was so much yeah. better than than what I had to deal with, like pure silence, which was which was terrible. That was me shouting as well. 
I credit a bit, you, yeah. a bit of my <laughs> shouting to the atmosphere in that fight. Carl, how do you mentally prepare for fights? Because we talk so much about like physical training and technicality, but less so about yeah. training for mental strength in life in general, I suppose. Yeah. I have seen sports psychologists in the past, but I haven't seen one in quite a while. I think that every every fighter is individual and they have different needs and different things that they like. Some, some fighters like to have their egos massaged and told how good they are before a fight. Some fighter, fighters like to be left alone and just be alone in the room, maybe analyzing the opponent. I, I just like to be around the boys and I like to be around my family and talking to people. And then I feel like, you know, we you hear people talking about the switch flicking and, and boxers mm-hmm. go from being a nice guy to this fighter. Um, and I feel like I, I can do that. Like, I understand this game and I know it's I know it's a serious sport, but I like I just like I like company and in, in the lead up to a fight, especially on fight day. I just don't like I don't like to be left alone. Does it help in terms of getting into your own head then? Do you prefer to have that distraction? Do you yeah, find that basically if you don't have that that you sometimes can maybe get in your own head? Oh, absolutely. When when you're on your own and the solitary moments, you're you're just constantly thinking about the fight and the what ifs and everything else. But when I'm around Jamie and Nigel Travis and the rest of the boys, we, we have a big team here. And um, a lot of the boys would come and support me normally. Um, obviously, the current circumstances don't don't allow that. But we've carry K's, a cup man and stuff. And I just like to keep things as lighthearted as possible. How's, how have you managed with that then in terms of the fact that there isn't as many people as you'd like around you, especially your, you know, your wife and your kids? It, it's okay. Look, as long as I have a few people around me, I, I don't need to have hundreds of people. Um, I always speak to my wife and my kids. I speak to them on the phone. Um, if I, I like to see them normally, if I'm fighting in Belfast, I would see them on that day and try to eat. I would not. I would eat with my wife my last meal before I would go to the venue. But obviously, things like that can't be done anymore. So, yeah, just I, I just, I just like really for me, it's all about keeping it lighthearted until I need to flick that switch and, and change. What goes through your head, like the 24 hours leading up to a fight, and then when you hear your name and the mm. music, and I know you said you've been in this game since you were a kid, but you still must get those feelings of nerves or adrenaline. What oh, goes there's... through your mind? Is it empty or is there you telling yourself, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this? No, you're, you're constantly telling yourself you can do this. You're um, assuring yourself mentally that, you have the capability to fight hard for 12 rounds. That's something that I always do. And even, even in sparring as well, that's something that I have in my head. Like when I start to get tired and flag a little bit, I always think that, like I train hard, I train very hard. And I always think he's more tired than I am. So it allows me not to think about and, and feel sorry for myself. So all these different things are, are running through your head really, but there's doubts creeping in there and everything. And you just, you just have to be able to deal with it and, and get on with it. And people are nervous. Like I'm always nervous when I fight. And I, and I think if someone says they weren't nervous, they'd, they'd probably be telling lies. And But the adrenaline you get and the adrenaline rush and the buzz you get on the ring walk is, especially when there's a crowd, it's, it's insane. How do you deal with the self-doubt and the nerves? Because I think sometimes when the nerve, nerves creep in, in anything, it can make people almost not want to do something yeah I, look i know but what am i going to do run away sorry i've sold i've sold the odyssey out to nine thousand people sorry lads i'm just a bit too nervous i'm not going to do it anymore um you just have Fair to boy. deal with them and, and you have to have self-belief obviously a, a, 
big self-belief and a, a, just an inner reassurance that you're capable of doing it. And, and I, I know I am because I've done it before and I've, I've been performing in the gym even up until this point in preparation for my next fight. Like I've, I've been sparring uh, amazingly. Like I, I'm, I'm really happy with where I am right now. So you just have, it's just about reassuring yourself. And, um, and I think having the reassurance of a good team around you as well is, is always important. So what kind of words do you say to yourself then in terms of reassuring? Um, I just let myself know that I can do it. I've done it before and I go back to the the spars that I've had, the, the long, hard spars, the long, hard circuits where I'm absolutely blowing out my arse and just continuing to push on and I know I can do it. Like I've got, I've real, I've always got a real grit and determination. I know I've got that and um I don't know. I don't think there's anything specific to say, but when the doubts creep in, it's important to try and get rid of them very quickly. Mm. And I've heard you many a times in interviews talk about confidence and about how confident you are. What does confidence mean to you? Is it something that's come from experience? Yeah, well, experience um, would definitely help with confidence. I think that confidence in my own ability, I know I can fight. I've, I've been there and done it. I've fought very good fighters and beaten very good fighters. I think, I, and I don't know what it is, but this fight, you don't, you don't want to be overconfident to the point where you overlook an opponent, and that's certainly not what I'm doing, but I'm extremely confident that I'm going to beat this guy, and I don't know why. I just have a feeling that everything's aligned and ready for me to, to put in the performance of my life, to become a three-bit world champion. Um, I don't know. If, if you believe in destiny and all, I don't know. I don't even know if I do, but it feels like it's about to happen, and, and this is going to happen for me. I'm going to become a three-bit world champion. Are you somebody that kind of is quite intuitive and you were saying about you just got a feeling? I'm not I'm not like a superstitious person. I, you know, uh, you speak to Jamie and Jamie Moore and me and him are like different characters. He's he's reads a lot about, he talks about the secret a lot and stuff and things meant to happen. And I just don't know. I just feel like this fight, things are falling into place for me and it's there's no way this guy can beat me. As the UK's biggest horse racing website, join Sporting Live for the very best coverage of the Cheltenham Festival. Follow all the action with a live race blog, daily previews and free race replays. Plus, you can get all the inside view from the festival from Willie Mullins, Darrell Jacob, Alex Hammond and Ed Chamberlain. Visit sportinglive.com or download the free app for Apple and Android devices. So what do you do on the other hand in the past when, for example, I mean, I've seen you fight and you've, you've looked frustrated in, mm. in a fight and then you've lost. How do you deal with those moments, which is inevitable in sport? Yeah, look, it's, that, that's it. I think so you have to deal with it afterwards. And, and I, have, I have lost twice in my career, but I've lost at the very high end. And that's, mm. that's the thing, you know, unless you're Floyd Mayweather or Joe Calzaghe, a lot of the times top fighters lose eventually at some point and and i've lost to two world-class fighters in leo santa cruz and, mm-hmm. and josh warrington it's just about reflecting I suppose after the fight and thinking about what you've done wrong and why they why they outperform me like the both the both fights that i lost i was i did lose them it wasn't they weren't robberies or anything like that i lost them fair and square but a lot of the it was a lot of it was down to my own performance i didn't do what i had been doing in the lead up to them fights and for whatever reason it, it just didn't didn't work for me. So like the Warrington fight in particular, I had been flying in the gym, like sparring really well. And when I went out for the first round, I was just so relaxed, too relaxed for that fight. 
I didn't believe he could hurt me. I thought that obviously he's a very fit guy and very tough, but I kind of I misjudged that situation. I just thought his, his record doesn't suggest he's a puncher, but I was I was hurt more than I've ever been hurt in any other fight in the Warrington fight. And um just shows you you can't really judge a book by its cover. Mm. How'd you pick yourself up after that? Um I speak to my family, I speak to my friends, um, I talk to them, I just I just talk to people. The Santa Cruz fight, I was that was my first defeat. Yeah. When when he when he beat me in the in the rematch. Um I was I was very down after that fight. I, I'm not gonna say I was depressed. I, I wasn't depressed, but I was extremely low and upset. And you just notice that you notice that who is really in your corner when them things happen and who's there reaching out to offer a wee bit of comfort. And a lot of people that were reaching out and sending you the messages when you were winning. They, the, the phone wasn't ringing as much. I like I noticed that it was it was massive. Um, my wife was a big help to me after the Santa Cruz defeat, and just just good people that I trust around me, my close friends and family, Jimmy Moore and 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 his family and Nigel Travis. They're they're all good people, and and they helped me a lot through the the Warrington fight as well, the Warrington defeat. What kind of things did they say to you after the Santa Cruz fight when you were feeling um, really low? My family. Yeah. What Christine, kind of things? I, did I people... don't remember in, in particular, but I remember. I remember, so I've got two young kids and I'm sitting in the house. Um, I'm drinking. I'm on the beer during the day. I'm I'm drinking wine at night. And I look after a couple of kids. Half, I think Christine just kind of said, look, you need to shake, get, you know, give yourself a shake here and, and get out of this. This isn't really you. You've lost the fight. You've beat this guy, Santa Cruz, already before you lost to him. It was another very close fight. You haven't really let yourself down. It's just what happened, but there's more important things than boxing here. And I and it's something that I always remember that there is more important things than boxing. Boxing is just my job, but my family are more important to me. And um, me walking around the house half drunk, trying to look after kids and, and just moping and being just constantly sad. It, it it has an effect on everybody else. So I just I just kinda just forgot about it then after that and kinda just woke up and just realized that the, the most important thing is is my wife and kids really. How important is it, do you think, for sports stars to in, in any sport to have something other than their sport? Yeah, well, I, I think it is. I think that, you know, we talk about sports people being very, very selfish and having to make all these sacrifices to get to the very top. And I think there's an element to that. But I, I do always I do feel like it can't be the thing that just takes over your life. There there has to be something else there. You have to have your family. When things go wrong, if you've just been this kind of single-minded person and, and you don't have friends because you're fully focused on this end goal, whatever it may be, what do you do when things go wrong? You've no one to speak to, you've no you've no one to talk to, you know. It's just you just need you need to reach out to people at times. And I think there's people in any sport, and I certainly know this now. I understand that boxing is very, very important to me. And I owe boxing a lot. It's my job, but that's all it is. It's um, it's my job, and, and my family are more important to me than boxing or, or anything else in the world. I know that um, after that loss, the one where you were went into it unbeaten, I read that you said something um, about your daughter, who said to you, um, "Daddy, why are people saying well done to you when you've yeah. lost?" Yeah. Um, it really made me smile because what did you say to her? That was that was after the Warrington. So that was after. Oh, was it? Um, I think it was the Warrington one. Maybe it wasn't. Anyway, it was one of them fights that I lost. And um, yeah, why are people saying well done to you if, if you didn't win? And I think I laughed first. 
probably said I don't know actually. Um, <laughs> but I think that when I when I spoke to her really about it, it shows the importance of people were saying well done because it was a good fight, and they sh- they knew that I tried in that fight, and although I didn't succeed, like I tried it all and I stayed in there, and it was at times like very you know I was I was taking a, some of them rounds I was taking a beating mm-hmm. against Warrington and. Um, I think I maybe just says people people respected that I kept trying even though I wasn't winning. And um, she's a sensible enough kid. She's ten years old now, so they uh, they kind of know. My, my young my, my boy was after the Warrington fight. I remember this. He the only fight he really he's six now, but so Warrington was two years ago. Mm. Um, so he was four. So that was the only fight that was kind of fresh in his mind. So he only really knew me as a a, a boxer as a guy who had lost one fight. So I think he thought that I just always lost. Like I went into fights and didn't win very much, which was quite funny because I remember I remember a fight after Warrington and my next one was in Vegas and I won pretty comfortably. He, was, he seemed surprised. <laughs> I love that. And what about the other side of the coin when things do go so well? Um, I know a few sports people have spoken about this. What do you do? How do you deal with that? Because there must be such a come down after such a high. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm okay. I know there's. there's you do not. Do you not have that? No, I, I, I like to be with my family. Like I like to spend time with my wife and kid. I like to do the normal things and go to the park, go out for dinner, go to nice restaurants. That's that's what I like to do. Watch movies with my kids and, and my wife. I, I actually I miss doing that, and that's something that I miss when I'm in camp. So. It's not as if it's a shock to my system when I've had a big night, I've had a big win, we've had a bit of a party or whatever. But then after that, it's back to just normality for me. I love bringing the kids to school and walking into school with them and just getting back to the routine. I reckon that must balance you so much. It's just interesting listening to you. I reckon it must balance your mentality and actually probably help your performance and sport because you have that normality. Yeah, well, maybe it does. Maybe it does. And that's that's me that's that's my character these are the things that i like to do you know i'm not flesh or, or arrogant and nothing like that and I, I don't need all the you know the finer things in life to to make me happy i'm you know i'm happy to have a have a nice a nice house that i've worked very hard to be able to own i feel proud of that i'm happy that i'm be able i'm able to provide for my family but i don't need all the flesh stuff to go with it and that's it, really. I think being being from Belfast as well, in cities like Glasgow and Belfast, Manchester, Liverpool, these are all working class. And Sheffield. Sheffield as well. Nice. Yeah. So they've all, all the people in these cities, they've got they've got similar sort of attitudes and similar morals, and they don't like to see someone getting above their station. They certainly don't in Belfast anyway. So I always remember that too. Have you got any advice for people out there? You know, you're in camp at the moment, and I know you're in Jamie's house in Manchester. Um, to deal with being away from family or times of isolation, which mm. I know you have anyway, it's part of your job, but the majority of the world is feeling right now. Yeah. Speak to people. And and we're, I think one thing that, you know, social media gets a lot of criticism and, and all these new kind of high tech, fancy things we can do and video calls. And I'm talking to you via a laptop and I can see your face and, you know, you couldn't do that five years ago or yeah, 10 years true. ago. Um, so talk to people, um, communicate with people as much as you can. I, I get to the point where sometimes when I'm when I'm on my own, like I'm very lucky that Jamie and his wife they they really look after me and they don't mind me coming in and having a cup of tea with them just to keep seeing really. But um, 
I I put my wife's head away with the amount of times I call her when she's at home trying to do things, and I just I just like to talk to them. So I think speaking to people, staying in contact, Zooms, WhatsApp, video calls, whatever, wherever it may be, just speak to people, and it it, it really really helps. There's a lot of people struggle with mental health, and it's great because there's been more conversations around young men speaking but I think it's still a bit of a problem I know you've spoken a little bit about it before um and in terms of loneliness as well and sometimes you know you even you did mention that you know you felt low after a certain fight what would you say to to young men specifically out there because I know you've you know you've got some great you know you've mentioned your friends and family so much in this Mm. conversation it shows how pivotal they are to you and I know that you know, you've got friends over in Belfast that also understand the fight game like Jamie Conlon. Yeah. yeah, no, look, it's just, I think that, you know, young men, so Belfast at the minute, North and West Belfast in particular are like, they haven't, you're talking about this global pandemic of, of COVID, but there's a, a real epidemic of suicide and self-harm in Belfast at the minute. Um, COVID and restrictions probably haven't helped that. Well, I know for a fact that they haven't helped that. So we people always talk about, and I've got involved in uh, uh, you know a couple of things where I'm, I'm trying to help charities and stuff, and they always talk about opening up and, and speaking to people and sharing your problems. And there's there's always going to be someone there to help. Whether uh, you know there's kids out there who are who are really struggling, and they may not be able to speak to their family about it, but there's amazing charities like the Samaritans, for example, who you can call twenty four seven. And it's just like it's just about reaching out, really. And it's also about other people noticing the signs when people are down and, and the things they're saying and their moods. And I think it's a combination of both, really. But yeah, there's there's a bit of a problem with that in the UK at the minute, and particularly North and West Belfast, um, hotspot for self-harming and, and suicide. And it, it needs to change. And I think it will only change when, when people open up and they start talking about their feelings. What would you say to anyone listening that recognizes that that really finds it hard to open up or feels like maybe they'll be judged speak to someone that you know you're not going to be judged by someone on a phone line who doesn't know who you are and i i understand that like what you're saying like it would be difficult for other people to open up but i think you see people like tyson fury talking about it openly which is massive and and when big sports stars come and talk about the the issues they've had with their mental health and they share it with people, that's always helping. So I feel like if you have a platform to be able to talk about it and share a bit of advice, you should do that and and, and bring forward a positive message. But I just think talking is is the, is the main thing. People need to speak to each other. People need to help each other out. Need to communicate, and everything will be a lot better. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned Tyson Fury, and it's one of the reasons I also want to speak to you. Um, because you see yourself and Tyson Fury walk in a ring. And I think, you know, I've been brought up as, in boxing as a child, and but it's definitely got this tough man's, I'll use that word because it, it always has been, mentality mm. to it. And I think hearing from yourself and people like Tyson Fury talk, oh no, I talk all the time. <laughs> you know, I open yeah. up, I talk about feelings. I think shows that that stigma isn't about it being weak or strong. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, that needs that needs to go, and I think it's slowly changing. That that you know, a man who speaks about his feelings is not a is not a strong person. I, I just it's not correct for a start. But um, I think that it's still a bit of a stigmatism. Uh, but it needs to change, and I think it's slowly diluting away. 
and it's um, it'll take time before it's completely gone. But it, we're I think we're doing well, and um, people are starting to open up a lot more. Obviously, there's still people who just don't feel comfortable to open up. But I, I would say if you're in that situation, if you don't feel happy or comfortable speaking to a friend about sharing whatever's inside your head, there's always someone on a telephone line in one of these amazing charities who would be happy to take a call and, and they're not going to judge you for anything. They're, they're literally in that job to help people. So that's what they like. That's what they try to do. Mm. I'll give out the Samaritan's number as well at the end. I've just got a few more questions for you. Um, because in terms of emotions and feelings, how do you work through those? Because I think that probably in the past has been a perception that when you get into a ring, it's all out aggression, you know, disagree with me if you, if you think it's not that way, but I always feel it's about actual self-control of those emotions. Yeah. Boxing's boxing's not just about aggression. I think it's a little bit, um, you wouldn't think a lot of the time speaking to some boxers, but it's actually a thinking man's game and the smarter fighter normally wins a fight. And I, I think that if someone is just, full out you know always thinking about aggression and winging shots and i think the clever fighter and someone who stays calm under pressure is normally the, the one that wins the fight and i suppose it's an aggressive sport you do have to be aggressive at times but you have to be clever you have to think about shots that are coming back at you, you need to feel comfortable under pressure and i think they're, they're always the best fighters is that something to- that yeah i i completely agree with you is that something that you've practiced um, I did something with Sir Clive Woodward recently and I thought something he was really in, was really interested about the point that he made was about how sometimes the reason we can't perform over pressure is we don't put ourselves under pressure. So it's mm. putting yourself under pressure repeatedly to be able, so it's not a shock and you don't crumble. Is yeah. that something you agree with? I, absolutely. I, 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 can, I can use an example there where I fought um, Kiko Martinez. I fought him twice. I've beaten him twice. But the first time I fought him was for the European title. And it was an extremely tough fight. And up until that stage, I had had fights where I was always the favorite. And I was a big favorite going into the fights. But me and Kiko were a slight favorite. But I knew it was going to be a hard fight. He was European champion. I was a, a green professional just coming through the ranks. And I knew it was going to be a tough fight. And I'd, I'd been sparring like really well and happy with my preparation. But until you get a gut check like I did in the Kiko Martinez one fight and put under that amount of pressure and was able to come through it, you don't really know still. You may want to believe that you have the ability to become a world champion, but until you get tested in the ring in a hard fight and you fight through adversity adversity and through that pressure, that was kind of the moment for me after I had my hand raised in that Kiko fight. I was like, I'm definitely becoming a world champion here. I can do it. I know I can have a dog fight if I need to. I know I can outbox people if I need to. So I think dealing with these pressurized situations will are going to help you for pressurized situations in the future. I honestly believe that. Yeah, it's almost like that adversity. There's so much you learn from that and it gives you that self-assurance. Oh, hang on a second. I've got through that. That means yeah, I can, you can get through this. Yeah, you can use your own experiences and things where you've got through in the past and that example of the Kegel fight and other fights that I've had where I've had to dog it out to win, um, I can I can reassure myself knowing that I've I've been there and I've done it before. I, great bit of advice Jamie Moore gave me in the Warrington fight, sitting in the corner, was when I was getting the tough and I was struggling in the fight, and he says to me, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done here before. 
And because he's been in that situation, he's you know we all know about the the, the Macklin fight, what a fight that was. But he's had to dig deep in fights. So when you're having someone who's who's been there and done it, giving you that advice, it's always it's always easier to listen. Did it switch things for you? Yeah, I think it did. And I came back and I won a few rounds in the middle of the Warrington fight. And you think people think about that fight and the, the rounds Warrington won big. He won won them really big. But I'd I'd won a few rounds in that. I think. One judge had Warrington by four rounds and two had him by three. So it wasn't a massively weighed fight, but I'd won, I'd nicked a few rounds in the middle. And I think listening to people like Jamie and, and having someone like him who's been around and done it actually talk to me and, and give me advice is, is always beneficial. What is your best bit of advice to people then? Um, as boxers or just people? Just as people. I think, well, and I say this to my kids all the time, like, Anything that's good in life that you really want, uh, it's it's always going to take hard work. Like if you want to succeed at anything, it's never going to be easy unless you're extremely lucky and there's not that many people, or unless you have like multi multi millionaire parents who can just pay your way to, to get you to the very top. But if you want anything in life, you're going to have to work hard for it, and that's something I tell my kids. So I would I would say that really. Final question, for those that are listening on a podcast, you might not be able to see Carl, but for those that are watching, um, sit up a little bit. Why are you wearing an Aston Villa shirt? Um, wearing an Aston Villa. <laughs> I, I just wore, I wore, I like football. It's a nice top. It's a nice football top. But, um, Do you I just like support- football tops for fashion? Yeah, but I don't support <laughs> Villa. So I support Rangers and I support Crusaders. They're my two teams. I'm Northern Ireland when they're international games, obviously. Um, Crusaders, you probably never heard of them. They're a semi-pro team from Belfast, um, so they're my teams. But I had a Nottingham Forest top on yesterday because my friend just signed for Nottingham Forest, so I got Nottingham Forest with Taylor, Dale Taylor's his name. So Taylor on the back. I've got the Villa top on because my nutritionist is Villa's lead nutritionist, and he gave me a top. So that's it, really. <laughs> Give us a bit of nutrition advice before you go. Ooh, nutritional advice? Not not um, for us to um, have to well, make a certain weight though in boxing, but just in well, general. But this, okay. Um, I, I think fasting is good and it's something that I always do. And it's, you don't even have to do it to lose weight, but I think fasting is just, is good for your body. Um, I do it a lot and it helps maintain my weight. So I would like sometimes have accidental huge fasting windows. And I think it don't want to sound stupid here but i'm gonna say and it's right then that it, it kind of revitalizes cells when you fast i Apparently, think i've heard yeah. that somewhere so um i think fasting isn't isn't a bad thing yeah i've heard that too so i'd have like big 18 window hours of fasting and it really? helps me make them wait as well so i would have on a sunday i always do it so re- even right up to a fight I would, and I've spoken to my nutritionist about this and he's happy with me to do it. So say on a Saturday night, I would have my last meal seven o'clock. I wouldn't eat again until like four o'clock on Sunday, four o'clock Sunday afternoon. So that's that's a 21 hour fast. I drink black coffee, I drink loads of water, but I wouldn't eat. But in that, at four o'clock, I would have my Sunday roast. I'd have dessert. I'd have cappuccinos and stuff after it and peg out to the point where I'm extremely full. And it's uh, and it works for me. I don't put weight on doing that. Do you not? Does it not bother you? I mean, mentally, when you've not eaten. I mean, the reason I say that is because I'm probably. I'm not saying I'm a hangry person, but I struggle mm. when I don't eat. No, I, I, I could. Doesn't affect I, you. No, no, I, I, I do it accidentally sometimes. So, 
I have to force myself to eat in the mornings. Like I, and obviously it's beneficial to eat before training, but on a Sunday I never train. So um, I, I can afford to do that on a Sunday, but I could go, I could easily go to two or three o'clock every day without eating. And what about like for a fight then? Does it, is that why you kind of almost can span different weights? Well, for a fight I, I eat because I have to, and I know it's yeah. beneficial to have, have food and energy and, and save me. So it's different, but um yeah, I've got a I've got a nutritionist who supplies my food during the week and I just ping it in the microwave. I just eat what he gives me and that's it. It works for me. I'm the like complete opposite for you than you. I st- like honestly, as soon as I start to get hungry, like I I need to eat and it well, bothers my missus, me. My 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 wife's like that, Christine. Like just she's always almost to the point where if she goes too long in the morning where she hasn't had a bit of toast or, or any breakfast that she starts to feel sick. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I'm like. Yeah, I, I, I could go for, I'd go all day without eating. Well, thank you so much for your time. Massively, no massively appreciate it. Um, what's the plan for an evening when you're training? Um, I, I, normally have, I normally have both sessions done, um, finished by five or six. So mm. I just chill out, watch a bit of Netflix, really come in and watch a football sometimes if it's on with, with Jamie and his son. That's that's it. That's the life of it, really. And then how many times do you train? Twice a day, Monday, twice Monday a day. to Friday. Twice a day, once on a Saturday, and then Sunday, day off. Rest day. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. Great Thanks to speak to you. No worries. All, All the right. best. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of luck. Cheers. Thanks, Carl. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to visit sportinglife.com, providing sporting opinion, debate and analysis for over 160 years. And remember, you can reach out if you're really struggling. There are charities such as Mind, The Samaritans and Sporting Mind. They're just a phone call or email away. People do understand and they are there to help. Or you can just text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. And you can also contact me on social media as well. Take care and we'll speak again very soon.